This gospel message is brought to you by the Reformed Witness Hour, a ministry of the Protestant Reformed Churches in America, a Reformed denomination that strives to be faithful to the Word of God and the historic confessions of the Reformed faith, also known as Calvinism. In love for our great God, we proclaim the Christian faith and life that is founded on God's sovereign particular grace. As God's Word is expounded, we pray that these messages are a blessing to you. Abel is the first witness of faith presented in Hebrews 11. In verse 4 we read, By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. Abel's sacrifice is the first act of faith recorded in Scripture. With his sacrifice, he revealed the confidence and conviction of faith. His witness stands in stark contrast to that of his brother Cain, who was an unbeliever, void of faith. In the wickedness of his unbelief, Cain slew his brother with no sign of repentance. Jesus informs us in Matthew 23, verse 35, that Abel was also the first martyr, whose righteous blood was shed because of his faith. With these two brothers, God's sovereign decree of predestination begins to unfold in history. God told Adam and Eve, after their fall into sin, that two seeds, two types of people, would develop in this world, the seed of the serpent and the seed of the woman. The seed of the woman consisted of elect believers. The seed of the serpent consisted of the reprobate, that is, those who are void of faith. Abel was of the seed of the woman, while Cain was of the seed of the serpent. The enmity or hatred of the wicked over against the righteous becomes immediately evident at the dawn of history. Yet the focus of the writer to the Hebrews is the faith of Abel. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. But considering that faith of Abel, we must also consider the act of Abel's faith, that is, his sacrifice. He leaves us a witness of what faith is not only, but the fruits of true faith. In other words, Abel's faith was revealed in what he did. True faith always results in good works. The two cannot be divorced from one another, as we will find throughout Hebrews 11. James explains in James 2, verse 22, Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? Bear in mind that while considering this faith of Abel, we must also ask ourselves the question, Is our faith the same as his? Do we, who live at the close of history, Cling to the promises as Abel did at the beginning of history. Do we receive this testimony from God that we please Him? Abel's example of faith is used for our instruction. Cain and Abel were the firstborn of Adam and Eve. By the time the events of our text transpired, we can be sure that other sons and daughters were born to Adam and Eve too. Cain and Abel were adults by the time they offered their sacrifices. 
Cain was the oldest of the two brothers. The two of them had entered into their own occupations in life as well. Cain was a farmer. He eked out a living by the sweat of his brow, working with a sin-cursed earth to bring forth fruit. Abel, on the other hand, was a shepherd, caring for his flocks and herds. Something also needs to be said about the spiritual identity of these first two children of Adam and Eve. Both of them were born into the line of the covenant. Their parents, Adam and Eve, were themselves in God's covenant. God created them in fellowship with him. Likewise, directly after the fall into sin, God had given to them the central promise of the covenant, that is, that one would be born of the seed of the woman who would conquer sin and Satan. With a view to that coming Messiah, the promised one, Adam and Eve were taught how to sacrifice. Skins of animals were given them as a covering. The blood of these animals was shed in order to teach them that blood needed to be shed for a covering of their sin. Adam and Eve passed on this practice or act of worship to their children. And this is why we find Cain and Abel offering their sacrifices to Jehovah. Likewise, as children of the covenant, these two sons were taught of the perfect fellowship their parents had shared with the ever-blessed God in paradise. They were also taught of the subsequent fall into sin and the promise of God of that Messiah. They were taught of the devastating results of their sin on their children and the need for their children, too, to look that one promised to that one promised them who would earn for them the forgiveness of sin. All of this was taught to these two sons, probably pounded into them by their parents. I mean, these boys knew. They knew intimately what had happened, and that the only way of forgiveness was to look for that one seed of the woman who could alone overcome sin. This is why we can say Cain and Abel were born into the covenant. But God's sovereign decree of election and reprobation, that is, his predestination, now began to unfold within the sphere of that covenant family of Adam and Eve. God did not will to save Cain. For that reason, Cain was reprobate, and therefore his heart was blinded by unbelief. God had not regenerated him by his spirit. As a result, the corruption passed on to him from Adam and Eve had consumed his heart, mind, and will. The promise of the coming Messiah meant nothing to him, therefore. Abel, on the other hand, was an elect. God had chosen to work in his heart by his grace. The Spirit worked in him, giving him a spiritual understanding of sin and salvation in that promised one, who is the Christ. Not, mind you, the same understanding that we have today, quite obviously. But he understood the promise of salvation in that coming Messiah. He understood the meaning behind the sacrifice. This day and night spiritual difference between Cain and Abel revealed itself in the sacrifices they offered. Some would say that the sacrifices of Cain and Abel really were not of the essence. Our text emphasizes the faith of Abel, they say. 
There can be no doubt that the emphasis of God's word today, as we will find, falls on the faith of Abel. But faith produces works, and Abel's sacrifice was indeed the fruit of his faith. Besides, this passage states it clearly enough, Abel offered unto God what? A more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Abel's sacrifice was more excellent. This does not mean that Cain offered an excellent sacrifice and Abel's was more excellent than Cain's. Cain's sacrifice had no value at all. We read in the Genesis account that God did not have respect unto Cain's sacrifice. God did not honor it. He was not pleased with it. But God did have respect to Abel and his sacrifice. So, let's examine the sacrifices of these men. Cain was a farmer. We are not told in the Bible what his crops were, whether that of grain or grapes or vegetables, but he offered to God upon an altar of the fruit of the ground, that is, the yield or some of the produce from his fields. These he offered to God. He brought or presented his fruit to God for acceptance. Abel was a shepherd and actually offered to God a sacrifice of his sheep. The word sacrifice literally refers to one that is slain. This technically could not be said of Cain's offering. He did not slay his fruit. Abel, we learn in Genesis 4, verse 4, brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. He sacrificed the young lamb upon the altar and burned the fat and meat of it there. And so these were the two offerings brought to God. Now, we might think that it was rather natural for Cain to bring fruit, since he was a farmer, and able to bring a lamb since he was a shepherd. But this was not the case. Both had been taught what a proper sacrifice was. Both understood the meaning of a sacrifice. We are told that Abel's sacrifice was more excellent than Cain's. See, there was significance in slaying a lamb, the shedding of the lamb's blood. A lamb was a gift, so to speak. Hebrews 11 here refers to this when it says, God testifying of Abel's gifts. Abel presented before God a gift, or an expression of honor. He offered a lamb in order to honor and to thank God for what God had done for him. The Lamb, of course, pointed ahead to the blood of that promised one that would be shed in order to make one righteous before God. And no doubt Adam and Eve had explained that truth to their children too. Cain and Abel knew of the significance, therefore, of a proper sacrifice to God. And this is why God showed respect to Abel's sacrifice but had no respect for Cain's offering. Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. But these were merely the outward form of the offerings the brothers brought. It is true that Cain's offering was not acceptable, but it is equally true that a man or woman might offer from a formal or outward point of view a perfect sacrifice of a lamb in form, but not offer it from a sincere heart. Many in the nation of Israel later did that. 
And of these sacrifices, David could write in Psalm 51, verses 16 and 17, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. What must be emphasized both respect to Cain's offering and Abel's sacrifice is the attitude of the heart in their offerings. What characterized these two men spiritually revealed itself in what they offered. But it was why they offered what they did that set the two of them apart. You see, Cain offered his sacrifice out of the pride of his heart. Because Cain was reprobate, he was void of faith. And, as we will learn in connection with Enoch a little later on in verse 6 of Hebrews 11, without faith it is impossible to please God. Cain saw no need for the forgiveness of his sins through the blood of that promised one who was to come. He was not convicted in his heart of the need for a Savior from sin. He did not hope for the coming of Christ. And for that reason he offered of the finest of the increase of his fields. Look what I have offered as a gift to you, Lord. It is the best of the works of my hands. I am giving it to you to earn your favor and blessing. I put hard labor in an effort to bring forth these good fruits. Cain thought that the works of his own hands had meritorious value. And God should be pleased with him because of what we find in what he brought forth for God. But we find in Cain's attitude that self-same sin that is ingrained into the flesh of every person, that we are somehow able to earn our salvation or to earn God's favor. The age-old error of work righteousness already showed its ugly head at the very beginning of time. It is an error born out of the pride of man. <clears throat> Instead of humbling himself before God and acknowledging his own unworthiness before God, recognizing the debt of his sin and the need for payment for that sin, Instead of a humble heart that understands the horrible plight into which man has fallen, wicked men in their pride imagine that they can earn, or at least assist in earning, God's love and favor. Cain felt that on the basis of what he did, God should now be obliged to accept him as he was. Cain saw no sin in himself, and therefore no need for salvation. To the opposite extreme stood Abel in whose heart God had worked by his grace. If you recall in connection with the first couple of verses of Hebrews 11, we discovered that one cannot believe without being regenerated by the Spirit. At the time of regeneration, the Spirit of Jesus Christ begins a powerful work in the heart of the child of God. He grafts us into Jesus Christ so that we become one with Christ. At that time, the life of Jesus Christ flows forth out of him and into us, opening our eyes and our understanding to the things of God. We become convinced of our sin and the need of a Savior that we might be reconciled to God. We are convicted that such a Savior must take away our guilt by paying the price of sin and making us righteous before God. Well, well, that conviction of sin 
and the need of a Savior is faith. It is a faith that God works in the heart of every elect, regenerated child of God. That faith characterized Abel. By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. By faith, Abel saw himself as a sinner. In sorrow, he offered unto God the sacrifice of a lamb, not as a mere outward formal sacrifice, but because he saw in the blood of the lamb his hope. It was the substance of things hoped for. He recognized his place in God's eternal inheritance on the grounds of the promised one who would deliver him from his sin. He came before God, therefore, with a humble petition on his lips. Forgive me my debts. Such was the faith Abel revealed in his sacrifice he now offered to God. The writer to the Hebrews adds, By which, that is, by which faith Abel obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts. By faith Abel was given the assurance that he was righteous before God. Abel was justified before God. He received the testimony from God that his sins were forgiven him. So Abel obtained witness from God that though guilty and worthy of condemnation in himself, he was perfectly innocent of all sin. The righteousness promised him in that coming Messiah was his. As a result, Abel received this testimony from God that for the sake of him who was promised, he was worthy of God's love and favor and an heir to the promise of eternal life. This was not true of Abel, of course, on the grounds of his faith, and certainly not on the grounds of his sacrifice itself. It is true that God testified concerning Abel's gifts that his sacrifice, that through his sacrifice Abel was righteous. This simply means, however, that God approved of the sacrifice of Abel because it was evidence of Abel's faith. But the testimony or witness Abel obtained from God was this. By means of faith, Abel, I have been, I have made, I have freely given you the righteousness of the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Cain received from God the opposite testimony. You are yet in your sin. Forgiveness is not yours. The righteousness you sought after by works you have not received. You stand under guilt and condemnation. The question is, how did God show respect to Abel's sacrifice, and how did God, who was God after all, show no respect for Cain's sacrifice? The simple answer is, God told him. It is true that subjectively we receive this assurance today by faith. No doubt the same is true of Abel too. But this passage here in Hebrews speaks of God's testimony and of God's witness to Abel. Besides, we also know of God's testimony to Cain. He wasn't pleased with Cain's offering. This means God's testimony came to Abel and Cain objectively. This testimony of God was, no doubt, spoken to them. I know we do not read of this in the passage here, or even in the account of Genesis 4, but, but later God speaks with Cain after Cain murdered Abel. So it is by deduction that we can say that God testified to these two men 
that he was pleased with Abel's sacrifice and not pleased with Cain's. We today also receive God's testimony. But today God tells us in his word that we are righteous in the blood of Christ. It is written down objectively for us in the scriptures. This does not discount the testimony of the Spirit in our hearts. When we by faith ask God in our prayers for forgiveness, when we in faith acknowledge our sin and flee to the cross of Christ, we receive the testimony of the Spirit with our spirits that we are righteous for Christ's sake. Our text here in Hebrews concludes that Abel, being dead, yet speaks. Abel, being dead, yet speaks. This cannot be understood unless we consider the rest of the account. Cain was angry with God's assessment of his offering. Instead of humbling himself before God and admitting that his offering was sinful, Cain walked away in pride and anger. But there is more too, because the whole of Abel's conduct revealed his faith, not just his sacrifice. This faith of Abel was a witness against Cain's unbelief and sin. So Cain was not simply angry with God, but with his brother too. One day as they were in the field, Cain and Abel spoke to each other. The result of that conversation is that Cain became angry and slew Abel, killed him in cold blood, then left him in the field. Abel's blood seeping into the ground. It is then that God asked Cain where his brother was, and Cain answered God in pride, Am I my brother's keeper? There is no fear of God before the eyes of reprobate unbelievers. Abel's blood spoke to God from the ground. Not literally, of course, but that blood spoke to God of how precious that blood of his beloved child was. But that blood of Abel is a testimony to us too, speaks to us. By his faith, Abel, though dead, speaks to you and me today. What is his testimony to us? His faith. Such faith is what must characterize you and me. We must know our sins, humbly confess them to God. These must be the sacrifices we offer to God, a broken spirit and a contrite heart, because these God will not despise. We must, with confidence and conviction of heart, believe in the promises of God to us that are found in Jesus Christ. In faith we cling to Him, and the righteousness He alone has earned for us. Then we come in humble worship of His name, and offer ourselves as living sacrifices of praise to Him. Unto such... God has respect. Let's pray together. Our gracious God in heaven, we are thankful unto thee that thou dost work in the hearts of thy children a lively faith, and that that reveals itself too in what we do. What a godly example Abel leaves to us. And thy word gives us the admonition too that we must walk in that faith of Abel. Grant to us the grace of thy Spirit, the Spirit of our risen Lord, that he may work within us, that we might walk in a way of faith. Forgive us, Father, where we in weakness fail. For Jesus' sake, amen. The gospel message you have just heard was sponsored by the Protestant Reformed Churches through its radio program, The Reformed Witness Hour. 
We hope that you have been edified and encouraged by this message. If you would like more information about the Reformed faith or the Protestant Reformed churches, feel free to visit our website at reformedwitnesshour.org or email us at mail at reformedwitnesshour.org.